Welcome to the Push Through Podcast. I'm your host, Keisha Reeves. I'm a licensed professional counselor here in Atlanta, Georgia, with a private practice where I specialize in working with women as well as maternal mental health. Here on the podcast, we'll be discussing all things childhood, womanhood, and motherhood, and everything in between. I'll be interviewing various women who will be sharing their birth stories, as well as others who will be providing tips to help us be able to navigate this crazy world that we live in. So sit back, relax, and enjoy a quick chat with me. All right. Thank you, everybody, for joining me again for another episode of the Push Through Podcast. And I'm so, so happy. Like, we did this, like, on a spur. But I'm so happy to have Audrey here with me um, for the podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. How are you? I'm good. I'm hanging in there. (laughs) As we all are. Um, (laughs) Audrey, I have known since middle school. Was it middle school? Uh, I think so, eighth grade, right? Yeah, like eighth grade. And like what I always remember about you is the fact we used to go to beta club conventions together. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yep. On yeah. into um, high school and we were both into writing. We're both writers. And you took it on as a career and now you work for a really great magazine, The Working Mother, and you're in New York. How has life been? It's been crazy. <laughs> um, yeah, like I said, we're just hanging in there during this crazy pandemic. I have to admit that we did leave the city for a couple months and stayed with my parents in Georgia because our biggest concern right away was childcare. Um, health obviously is important right. too, but I mean, we felt kind of bad about it because we did feel like we were kind of abandoning the city in a time of need, a time of need a little bit, but. We both work full time. We have demanding jobs, and uh, the thought of being in a 1,000 square foot apartment with two kids and trying to both do those jobs at the same time was too much. Yeah, someone would not have made it out alive. (laughs) (laughs) Don't know who, but somebody. (laughs) Understandable. So, I had no idea that you were working for the magazine. Um, I think it wasn't, it wasn't until you had a post on Facebook and you talked about your labor and delivery experience with your son. And it was so like, it just like grabbed me and just sat with me for days. Cause like, you know, sometimes like we go through birth trauma, we share our birth stories, but like, you don't know until someone like shares any of it, but not to like go into like detail, but like a snapshot, can you tell us what happened and what was that experience like? Yeah, sure. Um, So I gave birth to my son in 2015 and I went 11 days overdue and I was huge. I was like the biggest pregnant woman you've ever seen of a single baby. People stopped me on the street and said twins all the time. (laughs) And it turns out... he, my son just got way too big. I had too much amniotic fluid. They said, you're going to have to do a C-section. And um, in the right after my son was born, they put him on me. And I immediately started feeling bad and knew something was not right and asked them to take him. And shortly thereafter, they asked my husband to leave the room. Mm. 
and he's in tears, but I was very naive. Like I, I mean, this was back in 2015 before maternal health was quite the talking point it is now. And we have a lot more information about, you know, our disparities here in the U S and so I was like, I'll be fine. Right. So I'm laying here on the table thinking I'll be fine. And unfortunately it, I, I was not so fine. I, um, uh, my uterus refused to contract. I had uterus, uterine apnea, led to a really big hemorrhage. They couldn't stop the bleeding mm. and um, tried everything. They couldn't, at last, they were just like, we're going to have to perform a hysterectomy. Mm. And so that's what happened. And um, I, it, it took a while for me to really process that. You know, in the beginning, you're, you're so... Plus, it's like, you had a hysterectomy, here's a baby. Right. <laughs> so there's just, there was so much happening at once that, um, first, I really didn't know how I felt about it, and I didn't talk about it too much. And then as I started coming to terms with it, I went to therapy, and I found that the talking helped. Good. And made me feel better about it. Yeah. Um, and so that's when I started sharing my story and some posts that you saw on Facebook, and I started covering maternal health is a bit more as a journalist and hoping to uh, kind of turn my negative experience into to something positive. That's really good. And I mean, I, that is pretty traumatic um, because it is like a, you know, like you're welcoming this baby into the world and then like immediately like your life is on the line and this procedure is immediate, but it's also like a life altering procedure um, and then not even being in the state of mind to be able to process it all, like coming out of it, is there anything that you felt like you would have done different, said different, could have been different? Do you feel like, like thinking about it hindsight, which I know, like, we're glad that you're here. We're glad you're alive. Obviously what needed to be done had to be done, but anything you think back? I mean, the what if that will like trouble me for the rest of my life is what if I had had insisted on a vaginal delivery? Because that day they were like, the babies, okay, first of all, they said he was going to be 12 and a half pounds. He was not even 10. They were off by almost two and a half pounds in the ultrasound measurements. And I feel like I maybe could have vaginally delivered a a just under 10 pound baby. Like maybe, who knows? And I wonder sometimes if that played into my uterine acne, like the sudden, me being giant and my son suddenly removed, maybe that's why my uterus was like, what's going on? Right, um, right. So that's kind of a what if that haunts me. But emotionally, the one thing I think about a lot is I just wish I, I was still hard on myself. I was like, I just had a baby yeah. and uh, breastfeeding was a little bit of a struggle. I think it took a couple of days for my supply to come in because obviously my, my blood supply was so low and all this stuff. Right. And I, I was like sobbing on the bathroom floor because I was thinking like, what part of motherhood am I going to get right? Like so far mm. I didn't get the delivery. You know, I feel like it's my fault. I didn't get yeah. the delivery right. I'm not going to get breastfeeding right. And I was just sobbing and talking to the lactation consultant on the phone. Now looking back, I'm like, why did I right. do that to myself? Right. I know that must have been really difficult. Who, of course, like you had your husband. Did you have any other supports there with you? Well, my my mom was there for the first week, which was really great. And then his mom came for two weeks after that. Um, My husband's mom, I mean. Um, So I did I did have family support. I had friends who like tried their best. But I will admit, like we we were a little early. 
Um, we had my son at 30, which in New York City is like being a teenager. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, our friends just like weren't there yet. Like they didn't, they were just like, uh, sorry. <laughs> you know, they, here's a muffin. Yeah, you know, they just, I don't know. They just didn't know um, <laughs> yeah. how to handle it. So gotcha. um, that's where I started joining a lot of Facebook groups. That's good. Um, and met other specifically groups for like hysterectomy after childbirth or uh, sudden or uh, near miss delivery and, and specifically about what I'd gone through. And that was very healing to me talking to other women who really understood. That's um, awesome. What we say is kind of like how the, the best day of your life is also the worst day of your life at once. Right. You know, it's it's heavy. Yeah, that is. So that's good that you were able to like connect with other moms, find groups. And then go to therapy to be able to just kind of heal from the experience and even like to look back and realize that you were being hard on yourself, which we all are um, with that first time mom and thinking like you should be a certain way or you should be able to do something a certain way when no one gives us a textbook of this is how your body works and this is how motherhood will work for you. There's no tra- right. dress rehearsal. We just kind of wing it yeah. and, right. figure, and figure it out. Um exactly. And then, okay, so then after that, when do you feel like you got adjusted to motherhood and you felt like, okay, I got this? Oh, like yesterday? <laughs> <laughs> um, still still working on that. <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes it's weird. Actually, I think as my son got older and I started like, um, like you find yourself saying things like, if you don't put that, you know, like, uh, you're yeah. like oh, wow, I sound like a mom right now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I think for the longest time, I just felt like someone with a baby. Right. And then once I started saying stuff that sounded mom-like, I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm a mom. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> and I, I was telling you, like, what prompted me to reach out to ask you to be in an interview, um, something that we haven't said is you're in an interracial marriage. And um, you had an article that I had stumbled upon that you had wrote and you were talking about your experience of being a white mother raising a black son. How is that for you, especially in today's climate? Yeah, it's really hard. Um, I mean, here's the thing I struggle with. I've, I've actually was talking about this with my sister-in-law, my husband's sister, who obviously is a black woman, is that the thing I want to be careful about is there's got to be joy too. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want my always telling my son about being black and the black experience being like, Oh, you know, there's these traumatic things going on in the world. Um, we had this big debate this weekend. We were like, can we tell him about Chadwick Boseman's death? Because he loved black Panther. He's going to be black Panther this Halloween. Yeah. And I want to like, let him have that joy, you know, that like sheer joy. So, um, that's one thing I like always, I'm trying to keep top of mind now because I feel like there's so much heavy yeah, and I don't want it to all be heavy. Um, but yeah, and that, that article, that article specifically, I mean, the other thing I also try and keep in mind is like, um, I was in the article was about, I kind of assume good intent of all white people, yeah. which is something I've had to unlearn. Mm. Um, I like, if a, parent yells at my son or is like hey don't don't climb up the slide I'm like yeah don't climb up the slide Jay and then I'm like wait you know my husband will point out well they're not yelling at the other you Mm. know four kids standing here and I'm like yeah and it's been something I've had to like get better about like be like wait 
let's 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 look at all the factors coming into play right now before immediately like jumping into you know chastise my son you know when right. it could be some bias on their part right absolutely and i mean like i i totally hear you when you say not allow that to overshadow the joy because i had my four-month-old like at the height of civil rights movement part two and <laughs> not going into panic mode of like oh my gosh i have this bundle of joy but you know this is my second black son in this country to prepare and it is like trying to find that balance and you know like we're both from Milledgeville, georgia which is in the south and it has its own issues a lot of which i didn't even recognize until i got out of the city and right. kind of like realize its flaws like it's kind of cool to grow up but it has its stuff um yeah. and then I'm, to kind of like remember were you on that trip there was a trip actually maybe it was for beta club or something for honor students and they took us on a tour of a prison it was for was honor students <laughs> and they took us on a tour of a prison it was like scared straight but we were the honor students <laughs> what what is going on right yeah 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 even remember i'll tell people remember in the morning did you ever get there early at at middle school and we would have to go to the gym. I don't remember. Yes, yes. I remember sitting in those bleachers. Yeah, and you remember how segregated it was? But it yeah, wasn't like anybody... The lunch, lunchroom was always like yeah. that. That was always, but every... every. I mean, because I always went to public schools in the South, and they're always like half black, half white, essentially. Yeah, right. And it was, it was always like that. Yeah. And we didn't even have like much diversity. Like even amongst us being in honors classes... It was like this small set of Indians, this small set of Asians. Like it was not diverse. I think Naomi was the only Jewish person I knew. I know. Yeah. <laughs> like, I know. Actually, like New York has been a big education for me. Like I just like like Jewish culture. Like we were exposed to Jewish culture. You right. know, like that's something I like learned a lot about when I moved to the city. It's yeah. There it was. Uh... <laughs> yeah. But you know what? I think it was like a real world experience in other ways. Like, I feel like, I don't know, those of us who grew up in Milledgeville, I feel like we sometimes like understand things going on in the world. I don't know. I feel like a lot of people who like grew up in very privileged backgrounds kind of have a lifelong bubble going. Mm. We do not have a lifelong bubble. Right, right. I see what you mean. <laughs> so how did you, knowing that, you know, we've come from like the South, and like you being a white woman raising a black son in an interracial relationship, how did you educate yourself? Or do you feel like it came within your home as growing up? Or was it something that you had to do? That's a good question. I definitely did not come within my home growing up. Mm -hmm. Although my parents are like wonderful, accepting people. And my family has like loved my husband and embraced my husband. But you know, my grandparents, for example, I had to sit down and tell them, I'm dating a black man, you know, just so you know. Mm -hmm. And um, because, you know, that was obviously illegal yeah. <laughs> for, for their childhood. Yeah. So, um, like, um, but I did, I did absorb a lot through schools, you know. I feel like, so actually I knew a little bit just from, like, public school and growing up. But, like, a lot of it has been an education. And I think a lot of it's living in New York City. Gotcha. Um a lot of it's just I do a lot of reading online, so um, I read a lot of articles. But also my my birth experience, I think in some ways, like, 
you know, I went through that and then I started finding out, you know, about the disparities, particularly mm. here in New York, you know, black women are 12 times more likely uh, here in New York to um, die in childbirth than white women, 12 times. Yeah. Um, and so I think that, you know, I feel like once you're kind of, your eyes are open to a disparity anywhere, you, you, you can't help but start noticing it everywhere, right? Right. Right. So it was a combination, I think, all those things. Okay. And so the next part, um, you had the hysterectomy, but you guys wanted to continue to expand your family. When did you entertain the idea of surrogacy or or how did that come about? We, um, so we first looked into adoption. We always knew we wanted two kids. Mm -hmm. Um, So we first looked into adoption right after everything happened with me and my, I have to be very candid. My lovely in-laws were like, we'll pay for surrogacy if you want to do that oh, or wow. a lot of it. Um, so that was the only reason it was available to us. Wow. Um, we paid for like, like 30% of it. They paid the rest. Surrogacy is incredibly expensive. Yeah. We wouldn't have been able to do it otherwise. Um, and so I was like, sure, <laughs> yeah. if you guys want to do that. Um, so we um, we did IVF and my son was 18 months. And we froze the embryos just thinking when we're ready, they'll be there. And um, then we signed with an agency in January 2018. And... Um, getting this timeline correct yes <laughs> and it took him about six months to find our surrogate um tori who was wonderful and we were just texting yesterday um she's just a very spe- like oh i'm gonna tear up uh, oh. what can i say i mean she gave me our daughter that we have now she was born in august 2019 so wow. um, all the love in the world to my surrogate that's awesome how were you guys able to pick the surrogate we, so we signed on with an agency and they, they found her for us. Okay. Um, we are, we were not too picky in our requirements. Um, because first of all, we didn't specify race because mm-hmm. <laughs> my husband's black, I'm white. Um, it just didn't matter to us. Um, the race of our surrogate, um, with a caveat, there's more on that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, um, so it, it took them five months and then they they proposed our first surrogate. And this is where I say there's a caveat. Um, she was an experienced surrogate, so she was charging more. So that kind of put her out of our price range. But uh, also, she the family was white. She was white. They lived in Indiana and her husband was a police officer. So my dad is a police retired police officer. So I want to like be very clear that I know that there can be like wonderful, open-minded police officers in Mm -hmm. this country but I'm not in their home yeah (laughs) I can't be in their home and even though my baby is just you know gestating right (laughs) the thought of possibly like my child a child of color being exposed in utero to like negative and thoughts even like by osmosis about being a child of color I just realized I was not comfortable with so we turned down the first surrogate and then um, next one they proposed was Tori. And I always say what's weird is I'm not the person who gets like um, like the one feelings. Like, I love my husband, but like, we got along great. And I was like, 
let's go on more dates. You know? <laughs> so, like you're my soulmate. Yeah. yeah. And uh, like our, our house. Well, I was like, oh, this is, this works. Um, yeah. But I will say that when I looked at Tori's pictures, I just, I got a feeling like, like I was like, she's the one. And um, thankfully it turned out to be right. We, we got really lucky from start to finish with that whole process. Um, first, first transfer, she got pregnant. Wow. So we didn't have to do multiple transfers. Um, like I said, we got along great. We just had similar dispositions. Um, I got to help deliver my daughter. It was, oh, all, it was all really amazing. That is awesome. Did you have any anxieties or worries about the entire experience at all? I think, I think the time really helped me wrap my head around it because I think that's something that a lot of women who come to surrogacy through infertility first, um, not secondary infertility, but infertility on the first shot have Mm -hmm. a problem with is that you don't get that experience being pregnant, Mm -hmm. which I think is really hard to let go of. And I, and I totally get it. And also I just think you are still not quite sure. Like maybe I could carry this baby myself. I know I've had three miscarriages, but maybe this next one will be the one, you know, like, there's always that doubt, like, is surrogacy the right choice for me? And for us, it was like, I don't have, I don't even have the oven. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, we got to have someone else bake the baby. Yeah. And um, so I had time. I had time therapy. My Facebook groups to kind of wrap myself head around not having a uterus anymore, that we'd need a surrogate. Um, so I, thankfully, that part was not very hard for me. I just, it, it was like what we needed to do. Mm-hmm. And Tori was so great and so on top of things and on top of every appointment that, um, that it, she really alleviated really any anxieties we might've had along the way. So it was, it was a really positive experience. That's great. That is awesome. Really awesome. So, um, I recently was able to experience going from one to two and, I had always heard that it was an adjustment, which it was. Um, it was more so of kind of preparing my oldest for someone coming in. I had read in a book once that it was like if your your partner came home with another woman and being like, she's coming to live with us forever and you have to share me with her. That's what it's like for your kid that's been the only one for a while. And But I will say that he adjusted like after a couple of weeks and then he was just like here for it it was helpful how was it for your son welcoming your daughter he was amazing oh. i have to give him so much credit um maybe it was his age he's a little older he was four when she was born mm. but he calls her my baby oh it feels like such a degree of ownership mm. over her um, and I don't know, maybe that's also something that because of the surrogacy, I, I don't, I don't know if, cause it was always just like, here's our, like, this is our family's baby. Cause someone else was carrying, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. he didn't first introduces like part of me, like the baby wasn't part ever part of like in me. So I don't know if that's it, but he, he was all, he's, there's honestly that like has made me so profoundly happy with our decision is yeah. seeing the two of them together. Like, uh so sweet that's amazing so did you notice like was the responsibility or being able to manage both kids did it get harder was it the same do you and your husband just kind of tag team it with your careers and raising them 
Yeah, I will say, I mean, it's so hard to say since this year went so haywire. Yeah, right? I agree. <laughs> like, who knows what the normal would have looked like. Um, but uh, I will say, I don't think it was necessarily hard, harder on me. I think it was a little, our marriage. It got a little harder on our marriage mm. um, for us. Like, it was a little easier, I think, to get a break gotcha. when there was, like, like, before, if one of us wanted to, like, go hang out with friends or whatever, the other one would just take one and, right. like, take Jay to the zoo. And that was kind of a fun day. But, like, taking two kids is yeah. kind of a, a, it's a task. Yeah. And so leaving one person with two kids, you kind of feel bad about that. You don't want to do it for a long time. And so then you can't really get out and get your me time. So I think that part was a little harder. Like, we both just, you know, right. don't really get to, like, date will Thanks to pandemic. <laughs> but, <laughs> but even before, we were, uh, it's so funny. We had all these lists of things, Keisha, we were going to do better this year. We were like, we're going to go see more movies and go to Broadway shows and have date nights. Cancel. <laughs> nope. <laughs> um, okay. So um, my last question for you is, you're right. This year has been a shit show. And <laughs> it is more so, it, it's even more difficult for moms not to take away from anybody else in their struggles but um being able to virtual learn or figure out daycare work from home be present be a wife be themselves show up for you what do you want to do self-care um just navigating that finances just all of that is hard seeing family members being careful about health so much you have to process how have you been able to manage that and stay sane in all of that? It's been really hard. And I will say what's really hard for me is it's my job to report on that. So I don't get a break. Yeah. <laughs> and like, I know it's bleak right now because that's what I report on. Like, I know that the da- the data we have right now indicates that something between like 20 to 40% of moms are not working and they're not working moms who were working. Let's be clear. Uh, working parents who were previously working are not working now because of childcare problems. And so just think of how many people had dreams for their career this year, aspirations, things that they were going to accomplish this year. And that's now at a screeching halt. And I feel like people act like it's no big deal. Like, Oh, just stay home with your kid for a little while. But it's like, first of all, you wouldn't say that to dads. Right. (laughs) Second of all, like, you know, if you invest, this is your, like, this is your identity. You know, yeah. women now, like, our identities is our, yes, motherhood, but it's also our jobs for a lot of women. And just, um, I think it's really hard to just um, wrap your head around, you know, something completely different. And, for example, I'm not a teacher. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I am in no way qualified to be my child's teacher. <laughs> and right. um, I don't have the patience. I don't have, like, they are... Teachers are special, special people. They are. I, I don't have it. Um, so, you know, I, I just, it's so hard. We're asking parents to, to do a ridiculous number of things. Mm-hmm. And we have no help and no relief from our federal government. Mm-hmm. Um, we got a little, you know, like even the things that were passed weren't equitable. Not everyone could take that paid leave that they passed. Right. Um, I know a lot of moms were basically surviving on uh, the uh, expanded unemployment benefits because yeah. they were fired when they said, hey, my kid's home. I can't come to work. Okay, well, you're fired. Right. 
And so they were depending on that money. Um, so it's, it's just, I'm in that data all day long. So I just know how bleak it is for working parents. That makes it like a little heavier for me. Yeah. It's like something that's happening in my personal life. And I also just am invested in like working moms and helping working moms. And I just see them struggling right now. So it's tough. Right. Right. Are you doing any self-care to manage any of that? would like to say I was, but <laughs> really, I know I need to. I need to. Gotcha. Okay. Same so, read. I read. I've always read my whole life, so I still right. read books, but, like, I should work out. That, that should happen. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, um, can you give any tip to any mom um, that may have going through the whole like surrogacy because I know like when we talked about the trauma you were able to like I said connect um do therapy but any for moms who may go through surrogacy who may have any anxiety because I know just in therapy sometimes I've heard they some mothers may worry about being able to bond or if they'll feel connected or um oh, yeah. being able to miss out on that connection of the baby being in their womb um, and someone else carrying it or having anxiety about what is this person doing, but this is kind of like the result that they have to be in to get the goal of having the baby. Any tip you would like to offer? Um, for manage, first of all, I mean, I think I'm in sort of a unique position because yeah, I gave birth to one child and I, I went through surrogacy. There is zero difference. Let me be very clear. Mm. I also formula fed one child versus breastfeeding another child. My daughter loves me. She's obsessed with me. She comes to me <laughs> just the same as my son. Like there, there is no difference. You are the mother of that child. You are the mother in the heart. That child will know you are the mother. Like I just want to tell all moms considering surrogacy. Like don't like I, you're gonna worry about it. I know you're gonna worry about it. And I know when I say not to worry about it, you're gonna be like yeah. Right. <laughs> but as much as you cannot, just don't, because the, as far as, like, you being the mother and your child bonding with you, that will not at all be a problem. Um, and other than that, I would just say try and make the experience as close to, um, you know, as if you were caring as you can. We did uh, maternity pictures with our surrogate. Oh, cool. Um, so we got, we all got together as a family and we have some really beautiful photos. Um, and just, you know, look for things like that you can do, um, you know, have yeah. a still, you know, have a baby shower or a virtual baby shower right, or whatever, right. you know, like enjoy it. Um, I know it's tough because some people wrestle with whether or not to, to tell their families. Uh, but if you're comfortable with that, I say do it and, you know. You're having a baby. Right. Enjoy it. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you, Audrey. I'm so grateful. I really appreciate you being here and being on and offering your wisdom of everything that you've been through. I'm so grateful. Yeah. Thank you, Keisha. It was great <laughs> talking to you.